Oi. 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 IGA is shopping nights. IGA where the price is right. Seaford North IGA for your groceries and liquor. IGA Express. There's nothing quicker. Hello, I'm Con. And I'm Stav. And, and we're we Eddie Nucky. You're listening to Radio Karam. Hey guys, and welcome to the 38th edition of the In The Stand Show. Today, we're reviewing the last No Limit Boxing Show of the year, which was headlined by Australia's own Sam Goodman up against Jong Liu. This was in Sydney at the Star, and it was at last Friday night on the 15th of December. It was a five-fight boxing card to wrap up No Limit's year of boxing, which has been wonderful so far, which has had some world title fights, and we've seen Tim Zhu conquer the world on No Limit Boxing Show. So this was a five-fight card, had some of the best up-and-coming Australian talent. The first fight of the night was Tuisi Vasutu up against Nathaniel Tuturu. Now, Tuisi Vasutu, he's 6-1 and one in the heavyweight division, and his opponent Tutu was on his debut. His opponent actually found out about the fight only a week in advance. So he didn't have the best preparation, but Tuisi Vasutu knew he was going to fight uh, on the card, and luckily they found an opponent. And th- this was no whitewash of a fight that many were expecting um, in the Australian boxing scene. Many were expecting Tuisi Vasutu to put away uh, Tutu as early as the first round. But Tutu had had some strength and had some actual talent. He's had a career in MMA and kickboxing previously, and many didn't know much about him at all before. Uh, Vasutu's coming off a big fourth-round TKO against Julius Lloyd Long, who's the tallest boxer um, in the heavyweight division in the world. Now, Vasutu's just got the one loss, and that was to Kiki Latelli. Now, many were expecting the knockout, but it didn't come. Tutu actually... Put some, put some actual scare on Vasutu, and many thought that Tuturu could actually pull off a performance after the first round. Now, Tuturu came out, uh, all guns blazing, landing some great shots, and I think shocking Vasutu, but Vasutu used his jab, worked off his jab, and uh, after the four rounds, you, you could tell that um, Vasutu was going to win by decision. This was the first ever Vasutu win by decision. Uh, he's seven and one, and with six knockouts. So he beat Julius Lloyd Long, Arsene Foster. He's got some big Australian names on his resume, and I'm sure he'll go look to conquer his revenge against Kiki Latali next year. He's been a part of the No Limit stable now uh, for three shows, so I think we'll see more of him um, in the upcoming uh, next year, and hopefully we can see him challenge for a, for an Australian title. Uh, soon, but for Nathaniel Tutu, I think he's definitely got a career in boxing. J- just that one loss, he shouldn't be uh, disheartened by it because he's up against some great talent in Tuisi Vasutu, who's much more experienced in boxing than him. And I- I'm sure he'll go out, go out there, um, hopefully in New Zealand, his Kiwi fighter, and prove himself in the domestic scene, or he'll probably end up g- go back to MMA or kickboxing or do something um, down, the, down the road there. Now, the next fight of the night was Ahmed Reda up, up against uh, Tuanga Kairenga from New Zealand. Now, Ahmed Reda, uh, he's 1-0. He was 1-0 um, coming into this fight, and he only fought 
just under a month before this fight now. So he's a, he's a very good amateur. Um, he nearly made it to the Olympics and he his Olympic dream got crushed by Australia's Harry Garside. He was on the commentary that night. We'll touch on that a bit later. But going back to the fight, this fight was at lightweight. Kai Renga was also on his debut from the same gym as uh, Nathaniel Tuturu. So after that performance, you'd think maybe Kai Renga could come out and shock Ahmed Redder. Redder had the had some really loud fans on the night, and I think that support definitely lifted him. He's he's a really distinguished amateur, and and many found that out. Uh, ju- just on the night, and Harry Garside, who who was the Australian lightweight champion in professional boxing, he had a record of I'm pretty sure four and zero in professional boxing. Um, he's now gone to back down or three and zero. Sorry for Harry Garside in the professional ranks. Now he's gone back to the amateur boxing to conquer his Olympic dream, and in that he he beat Ahmed Redder. And Red had enough for the amateur scene, and now he's hopped over to uh, box, uh, professional boxing. In his last fight, he got a stoppage win, and and he's back after not even a month after that to face Kairenga, and it, it was it was pretty quickly over and done with. And you could tell that Ahmed Redder what wanted to set the tone as early as possible. His shots were quick. He's a really swift fighter. It only took two rounds, and he ended it with a pretty brisk body shot. And uh, I think a professional fight with Harry Garside and Ahmed Redder could be um, could happen after Harry Garside's Olympics because after the fight, Redder got on the mic, and Harry Garside was in the commentary team for the night uh, covering the fights, and he went straight to Harry Garside and said, "Let's do this for ten rounds, um, hopefully for the Australian." belt and I'm sure that can definitely happen after Garcard heads over to Paris for the 2024 Olympics and this Ahmed Redder kid he's, he's actually really good and I think that he's definitely definitely can climb up the ranks of the Australian lightweight domestic scene uh, just two fights he's, he's still young he's only 20 and I, I think there's much more to come for him because after that performance it, he looks like he's going to be uh, something special uh, in the in the future the next fight of the night was a title fight. This was for the IBF Australasian lightweight title. It was Yusuf Dib, the reigning defending champ, up against Ibrahim Bala. Now Yusuf Dib won this battle against Miles Zalewski earlier on in the year um, on a No Limit on Fox card. And, and it was a pretty good performance from Yusuf Dib. We had him on, on the show. He was happy with his performance, but he got knocked down in that fight against Miles Zalewski. That was something in that fight that many fans were expecting Miles Zalewski to have that distinguished power to shock Yusuf Dib. And this was, that was Yusuf Dib's first fight on TV. So he had a bit of pressure. He was winning all the rounds pretty comfortably, got knocked down by Zalewski, and he got stumbled by that. And then he spat his mouth out. So it was a 10-7 round, so the ref took another point off. And Zalewski was pretty much in the lead and um, probably going to go on to win it, um, in, my, in my eyes. And then... Dib comes out, comes out of nowhere, gets Zalewski up against the ropes, and the, his corner throws the towel in. And Yusuf Dib's an Australasian champ. Now his opponent, Ibrahim Bala, hasn't had um, the most of active boxing careers. Apparently, he's had a couple 
pullouts from some fights. His last win was a split decision victory um, against Shiva Mishra, and that was just under a year um, to the day of his fight against Yusuf Dib. Now, I was watching this fight, and I was expecting Yusuf Dib to come out and, and shock everyone. Not shock everyone, but put on a performance to back up that, um, that not lackluster, but a bit dis- disheartening and disappointing uh, knockdown to Miles Oluski. I thought he was going to come out and just, just clean up. Ibrahim Bala, Bala hasn't been active, and, and Dib's probably got the experience. Uh, these two have actually sparred and and come from some boxing families. Um, Ibrahim Bala's brother, Kamil Bala, um, he's the WBA Oceania welterweight champion, and then Yusuf Dib's brother is Billy Dib, a former world champion. So, come from boxing... Um, backgrounds and families now this went the distance and I thought Bala put on the pressure all fight and it was a majority decision victory for Ibrahim Bala and majority decision was a bit stiff on Bala because I, I thought um, he won the fight pretty clearly and you couldn't give many rounds to Yusuf Dib there was a couple cuts in there and both were cut, it was a, a bloody clash and I, I thought um, I think a rematch for these two would be great uh, Yusuf Dib was was undefeated. He was twenty and zero. Ibrahim Butler's fifteen and two. I think a rematch, hopefully in Melbourne. I think another no limit in Melbourne card would be great. There's so much great talent in Melbourne that hasn't been shown to the Australian um, fans on TV um, just of yet. Many been fighting on local cards, the Brian Amatruda cards, the Team Ellis cards, the Ultimate uh, Legends cards um, in Melbourne, and I think that if a couple get a chance to go over to No Limit, that can definitely grow as a fighter and get more, uh, get bigger opportunities uh, to showcase their skills on not only TV, but then if they go on and succeed in those fights of No Limit, they can go on to world world championships and um, definitely showcase their skills to the world. And I think this fight in Melbourne would be great. Bala had a lot of support in the crowd. Um, I, I'm pretty sure friends and family and then, in that was over in Sydney. Imagine if that was in Melbourne. I think that would be such a big fight, as well. And Bala proved the proved everyone wrong and um, shocked shocked the Australian boxing fans in getting that victory. Now the next fight was Liam Wilson up against Jackson England. Now this was an extremely controversial fight. Now it was a it was a ten round fight. Liam Wilson obviously earlier on. An, on in the year had his world title chance against Emmanuel Navarrete. Now he knocked down Navarrete in that fight and the count for that was twenty six seconds or something like that. I think it was around twenty five to thirty. It was twenty something like that. Um knocked him down, then he spat out the mouth guard and bought himself a bit of time there. So it was a bit of a robbery. And then there was even more debacle on that um on that account with the weigh in Liam Wilson rocked up to the weigh-in on time, and then Navarrete didn't rock up for another hour or so. Um, so they gave him a bit of extra time, and obviously he was the A-side to that fight, being the reigning defending WBO super featherweight champion. Yeah, he came back uh, in his last fight to beat, um, I'm pretty sure his name was Alanis. Um, Carlos Al- Alanis, that's right, uh, for the WBO International Super Featherweight Championship, and that was pretty much a whitewash. Alan, it was it was a whitewash. Um, went the distance. 
all te- all ten rounds went to Liam Wilson and Carlos Solanas didn't really want to engage in a in a brawl that Liam Wilson loves to loves to do. And he was pretty much running all fight and Liam Wilson got the win. It was it was a pretty boring fight in my eyes. Now his opponent Jackson England has come off a huge win to win the IVF Australasian Super Featherweight Championship up against Cheeky, Nathaniel Cheeky May. And this was a, an absolute fight of the night on the Tim Zhu Brian Mendoza undercard. Now, it, it was, again, another controversial fight. Um, well, I thought Jackson England won. Now, that was my eyes. Many thought that Cheeky May won. Many, it, it was a split. It was a 50-50 split um, to who won. Jackson England got the split decision win. And in my eyes, I thought he won pretty respectfully. Um, and, and I think the split decision was pretty fair. Liam Wilson come out on fight uh, just in the lead up to the fight and said Cheeky May won and you deserve to be there. And he many didn't think that um, Jackson England would pose such a threat that he did to Liam Wilson in that fight. Now, watching the fight, I didn't, I didn't score it. I, I wanted to just watch it normally. I was actually expecting um, someone to... Uh, expecting a finish, someone to finish the fight. And I was expecting Liam Wilson to do it as well. It was a lot of talk in the lead up that Liam Wilson was going to knock him out. And I was just expecting it in the end. And Jackson England's come out. And I think an absolutely great performance. He fought perfectly. And there was a lot of speculation after the fight. Liam Wilson got the judges' decision by unanimous unanimous decision. Now, watching it, not scoring it, I thought this fight could be either a draw or I'm thinking Liam Wilson was just going to win. Now watching the fight back and having another look at it, looking at key moments, listening to the commentary. Jackson England was in this fight that many people didn't even think, think he was get, going to be in it. And in the fight, uh, the commentary was saying that Jackson England corner should throw the towel in because he had a couple cuts. So the Jackson England had two bad cuts and they were both from head clashes. So um, if the fight was going to get stopped, it would go to technical decision. So, um, and then Jeff Fennick in the commentary, an Australian champion, Hall of Famer, said that uh, Jackson England's corner should throw the towel in. And it was very one-sided commentary. Now, watching the fight back, I, th- I thought Jackson England could really pull it off and probably should have won the fight. Now, many have been saying that politics have been involved because Liam Wilson's a no-limit fighter and that Liam Wilson was the A-side in the fight. I actually thought Jackson England won the fight. Jackson England's trainers come out on social media and said he got robbed, and um, it, it's all extremely political uh, um, on the night. Oh, I think it was as well. I think Jackson England won that fight and landed the cleanest shots, and maybe just unlucky for uh, Jackson England. But if Liam Wilson doesn't go on to fight for a world championship next, and the division looks pretty tied up at the moment, Navarrete, I'm pretty sure, is coming off a draw. Um, and he's got to do a rematch there. So, I think if it's tight, if the division's too tied up for Liam Wilson to go fight for a world championship, um, Jackson England can definitely rematch that fight. And I think that would be a cracker, cracker of a fight. Hopefully, a belt's on the line for that one. But Liam Wilson got the nod in that fight. Now, the main event of the five round card was Sammy Goodman up against Jong Liu. Sammy Goodman, sixteen and zero, the mandatory, mandatory. Um, fighter in the super bantamweight division, so he's next in line for either Marlon Tapalas or Inoue. Um, 
up against Zhong Liu, who's an unknown fighter, really. He's 19-0. He's ranked number 14 um, in the WBO Super, um, Super Bantamweight rankings. It's a 12-round fight. Now, many many um, critics come out before the fight and said that Sammy Goodman needs a knockout in this fight to really state his claim to go fight the winner of Inouye Vestapales. So that's a unification bout for, for all the titles in the um, Super Bantamweight division. Now, I thought Sammy Goodman has to knock him out, um, has to have a good performance. He's ha- He's got the biggest fan base on the night, the mad bunch. They were going crazy when he was fighting. And before the fight, if you go have a look at his opponent, there's not much on him. There was one fight or just two, I think. I'm, there was not much footage on Zhong Liu. So many came out and not sure what they were expecting. There's a bit of tension in the weigh-ins. And I thought Sam Goodman can come out in this fight, suss him out for the first two, three rounds. Um, he said that's one of his... Um, advantages in fighting. He said that he can suss out opponents pretty quickly um, and get an understanding and feeling for them. So I thought that Sam Gooden was going to come out maybe, let's say, fifth or sixth round, finish him off. Now, this was actually, in my eyes, a pretty boring fight. Sam Goodman didn't do too much. He he won respectfully and clearly. Um, it went it went the distance. Got He got the unanimous decision victory, and I thought it was a whitewash for Sam Goodman. But it was actually a pretty boring fight, and... Um, many people are saying that I don't think he's ready for Inouye or Tapala's the winner of that fight. I think that in that fight, the winner will be Inouye. Um, he's a pound-for-pound pound number one in the world at the moment. So Sam Goodman, if he's going to fight him next, he's got a lot on his hands because he couldn't finish Zhong Liu. He couldn't finish off his last opponent, Miguel Flores, and went the distance with Ray Salim and couldn't finish off TJ Dohany as well. All... All this year, he hasn't got a finish. He's fought four times, and many say he won't have the power for um, Inouye, but nonetheless, I think the fight against Inouye is well-deserved from Sam Goodman. He's beat all world-class guys, and um, if he can't get the finish, that's unfortunate, obviously, but he got the win in the end. Up next, we're joined with Raider Machki, who got the stoppage win against Hayden Wright in his last fight. Hi, everybody. This is Witch from Spiderbait. When I'm passing through Karam, aside from slowing down to 50 kilometres an hour and reminisces about doing the Eel Race Road Rumba or the Watley Street Wiggle, I like to tune in to Radio Karam and get down with the good vibes. Welcome back to the In The Stand show and now we are joined with Ray Dimachki. First of all, Ray, thank you for joining me tonight. Really appreciate it. That's all right, mate. Anytime. So just a couple of weeks ago, you got the stoppage win over Hayden Wright in your comeback fight. How do you think you performed? Um, mate, look, to be honest, I was, um, I've was i been out for, a, for almost two years. So I, I felt good. I, I obviously could, felt like I could have done a lot better. But, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was okay. It was good enough. Yeah. You were the most supported boxer on the night. Does fighting in front of your friends and family inspire you in the ring? Um, look, it always helps, you know. I mean, they 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 come, they enjoy a night out, they enjoy watching, um, obviously watching me fight and stuff like that. I've been fighting for a long time. Um, it does it does mean a lot to me. It means, um, but look, to be honest with you, Alex, I would probably sorry, I would probably fight 
even if it was um, if I was just fighting in the backyard and no one was there, I just loved doing it. Yeah, yeah. It was it was your first fight in a while. How was how was your fight camp in the lead up to it? Oh man, look to be honest with you, I did a um. There was only a five week fight camp. <laughs> normally, normally when I'm fit and sort of been training, I do a fight camp. Uh, eight weeks at least, six to eight weeks. Yeah. Um, this one here I did five weeks, but yeah. I sort of trained, and it was only going to be a four round fight. But still, it was um, it was good. The fight camp was perfect. It was a perfect time timing to sort of. Uh, I started to feel everything was starting to get sore and stuff like that. Anyways, yeah. Um, five weeks, so it was probably good timing. After a bit of a layoff, does having a fight camp after not fighting regularly like a bit tougher? Is that a bit tougher? Yeah, it is. It is a bit tougher because normally you're conditioned and and you're conditioned when you're in fight camps and when you're active. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like your face, yeah. knuckles are conditioned. You're getting body shots, you're conditioned. Where this time I was, I felt like a, like, like I was a virgin again. Yeah. You know, so everything's a little bit, everything's a little bit harder. Everything's really sore. Um, age does play a factor as well, but the biggest thing is conditioning. So I'm not even going to make the age excuse yeah. because it wasn't. I just didn't. I felt great. Don't get me wrong, but I just didn't get enough conditioning in. Yeah. But that's why we fight um, against someone like Hayden, who's quite big, not as fast and as, as as and as explosive as myself. So it gives me the opportunity to be able to unwind on him for yeah. the whole fight, which I did. Yeah, coming into the fight, did you know much about uh, your opponent and was there anything that you were looking to expose on fight night? Um, look, Aiden, is, he's been around. He's had 20-something fights and he's fought the best in Australia and taken them all the distance. So I wouldn't say he's a killer, but he's a journeyman. Like yeah, he's yeah. dangerous. He's like 130-something kilos. Yeah. The guy... Barring is a guy that I know as well. His name's Big Daddy Lucas Brown. He's the only yeah. Aussie heavyweight world title. Yeah. Um, barring Lucas Brown, the whole fight camp. Okay. Um, so I knew he was going to be conditioned, and he he hadn't fought too long ago, so he's been a lot more active than me. Yeah. The only thing I was wanting to expose is just to have, just make sure that my game was good, my guard was good. Um, and just open up on him while he's trying to throw punches because obviously I'm a lot quicker. Yeah, yeah. After your fight, you said that you want to fight again. When will that be? And is there anyone in particular that you want to fight next? Um, man, no one in particular. I'm, I'm, I'm at a point in my career where I just want to have good fights, um, fights, and that's probably going to be in February or March. I'm pretty sure I'm fighting. Yeah, and then I'll probably more after that hopefully fight for a title Aussie title maybe yeah I've got the state win um in boxing already yeah I've got many titles in K1 kickboxing um Australian East Coast yeah heaps of, I've got a few of them so for me it's more so just staying active and being able to push my body for as long as I could push it without hurting it damaging it anymore yeah, in 2022, you fought Michael Coco. You tore your bicep in the fight and had had the fight stopped. Can you explain what, what happened? 
to tear your bicep and what happened in the fight? Um, so my my bicep was pretty. I've, I've snapped one bicep before fighting. Yeah. Um, well, uh, mate. To be honest with you, it's it's just wear and tear. Um, because I've been mean, boxing and kickboxing for almost like just over twenty years now. Yeah. Just wear and tear stuff. My style and and the amount of kilometers my body's done and my age don't really suit anymore. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that. My style is very explosive. I'm very fast. Um, I, I'm, I'm, my twitch fibers are very fast. And what happens when you're like that, the, your wear and tear, your body cops it. You get, you know, you, you over the years, it gets quite um, dangerous and they get sensitive, like anything can happen. Um, so basically, we are coming into the fight. I'd already had a real sore bicep anyway. My elbow was sore. So it turned out I, I threw my first combo on Michael um, and bang, I snapped my bicep straight away. Yeah. And he sent to my shoulder, then back down. So anyway, I finished out the round and thought I'd done very well in the round just with one arm. But then I had this shoulder, I couldn't my left shoulder, I couldn't throw more than two punches in a row. So that's all I had, my left hand. So I went to the corner and, um, yeah, the, the ref, pretty much seen it on the big screen and goes, mate, you got no bicep. Doctor come out and he goes, that's it, you're done. So yeah. that's what happened there. And then got that fixed, but it turned out my elbow tendon was also ruptured. It was snapped before yeah. that. which Because that's what was really sore, my forearm into my bicep. Yeah. And I, my bicep, because I'd done it before and I didn't know I was going to do that. So I just thought, oh, whatever, it'll be all right. And then went to the doctors, got another scan on the shoulder, had a snap tendon in my shoulder, yeah. which was done for the fight as well. So I was just, yeah, I was just fighting all beaten up and bashed up, man. I didn't even know, but I'm so used to the pain that you sort of forget, you get you get very um, numb to pain. Yeah. Um, training, uh, because there's a famous saying in boxing or kickboxing, if you're not injured, or you don't go into a fight with an injury or some sort of a niggle, then you haven't trained hard enough, you know? Yeah. So that's reality and we just sort of get on with it. Yeah. What was your recovery like from, from those injuries? Um, look, they say – look, it was, it was quite long. I reckon three – they say six months, six months until you can start sort of punching again and lifting weights. But I think I was getting back into it, like three and a half to four months. Yeah, I was good, but um, I was really unloading and pushing as hard as I can five to six months again. Yeah, okay, all right. So before boxing, you had a kickboxing background. Can you give me a brief summary of your career in kickboxing? Yeah, so, so I fought K1. Yeah. K1 is not Muay Thai, it's not kickboxing. Okay. So K1's um, kicking, punching, knees. And spinning back fists. So, and K1 was short rounds. Uh, sorry, um, yeah, there wasn't many rounds. It's not like 10, 12 rounds because uh, you're not allowed to hang on in K1. It's designed for striking. It's it's brutal. It's a brutal. I used to love K1. That was my favorite. So, I fought that for a very long time 23 or 24 fights. I think I lost two or three fights I lost. Yeah. But I'd I'd, I'd broken my hands. I'd had fractured shins before. I snapped my Achilles. That's what pretty much ended my K1 career. That was one fight before I won the title. Um, yeah. 
was warming up out the back, kicking the pads, and I snapped my Achilles uh, tendon. And was that then before that was, a fight? Yeah, I was out the back warming up, about to walk out. My song come on, and we were warming up on the pads. I kicked the pads, bang, my Achilles like, popped. Oh, right. And, and you just had to call the fight off? Yeah, I had to hop into the ring. I was hopping in there. Oh, all um, right. Leg, and I had to explain what happened out the back. I had my tickets booked to go to Romania to fight for a world title um, over there. Yeah. I think it was five. We'd booked all the tickets, hotels, everything. No, four weeks later, actually. And, um, yeah, so that all just went down the toilet, all that, all those years of training, pretty much. That was what I was working towards. And then, yeah, it just all ended yeah. in an instant. Yeah. All right. Um, just a year ago, you started Rare Breed Gym. What was your inspiration to start a boxing gym? Um, well, it's, it's been my background for a long time. So I saw a bit of a hole in the market in the sense of the style of training that, that most places are, are giving with boxing. Yeah. Um, obviously, inspiration is my passion. I love, I love the fights, fight game. Um, I've got a decent following and, and I've got a lot of respect for people. I've made some of my best memories there. So you grow to love the sport. You grow to love what it's all about. So. First and foremost, I, I did it because I'm passionate about it and I love it. I love doing what I do. Um, but, yeah, we saw a hole in the, in the market where people – there was just tradi- very traditional boxing style of gyms and there was little crappy um, studios like 12 Round and UBX and yeah. Rumble. They were just they were just terrible. They had no vibe, no feel. And all they would do is just teach you how to box, box, box. Now, as a boxer and as a combat fighter, I know – what doing just that without doing just boxing without the strength and conditioning aspect does to your body. It breaks it down, as we were explaining yeah. before. Yeah. A lot of cars keep that body going at an optimum um, sort of rate and you want your body running beautifully. You need to add in the strength and conditioning aspect that makes sense for boxing. So yeah. that's what we both of them together in the one class. Hmm. Yeah. And it's, person and uh, the training that we do there that the rare breed classes are pretty much the training that I do when I'm trying to cut weight stay strong stay fit stay healthy stay sharp but also drop a lot of fat very fast so that's the rare breed style of training I used to get yeah. called rare breed right yeah. people always used to rare breed you're crazy no one's I've never no one's ever seen the way you, I go in I give it my all I train my best. I try to do everything together. And that's what we're trying to do for our people. And our people, um, our, our members love that style of training. So that's the main, another main thing as well. There's a hole in the market. Now we're opening up a few more as well. Oh, yeah. All right. So that wraps up all my questions. Thank you, Ray, for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. And I wish you all the best. No worries, Alex. Take care. Thanks for having us, mate. Hi, my name's Paul Kennedy, and I'm a sport reporter for the ABC, and when I'm not listening to the ABC, I listen to Radio Karam. Tune in and enjoy.